Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Carlos Inspire Show. And today we have an outstanding, very, very special guest, a great friend of mine. I'm just so happy and I was looking forward to this interview for a while. And I'm going to introduce you this amazing, this person over here. We got Mr. Don Green in the house. He's the resident of Wise, Virginia, the birthplace of Napoleon Hill. Don Green brings nearly 45 years of banking, financing, and entrepreneurship experience to his role as an executive director of the Napoleon Hill Foundation. His first youthful business venture was char changing the, charging the admission to see his pet bear. Yes, the living growl, growling kind. Since 2000, Green has traveled worldwide and used his finance skills to grow the foundation's funds in order to continue the foundation's educational outreach. Green has both model leadership skills as a CEO and taught them through the PMA Science of Success course at the University of Virginia's College at Wise. Don specializes in discussing his personal experiences in leadership and providing audiences with proven methods and applying Dr. Hale's success philosophy to business. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome, Mr. Hill. How you doing, my friend, Don? I'm great, Carl. So I'm glad to be with you. I enjoyed our events we had in um, Houston and the time we got to spend together. I admire your background. Um, you know, one of the great lessons in Think and Grow Rich is overcoming adversity. But you know what most people do? What do they do? They just quit. They accept their fate like, you know, this is the way it is, this is the way it's always been, this is the way it's going to always be, and not realizing that they can develop a burning desire and follow the principles as uh, Napoleon Hill taught, where they understand them or not. Uh, uh, some people do those things without, without ever reading the book, but definitely the reading the book and telling us to start off with a purpose and develop a belief in ourselves and uh, uh, you're not much, not likely to advance much in life because not too many people approach you and say, boy, I got an opportunity for you. You got to get up off the sofa, cut the TV off and get out there and do something. I used to sit with Mr. Stone. Of course, he was a billionaire and he was our chairman. I attended his, his uh, celebration of life. He lived to be 100. And uh, he would always say, uh, he, he would say, just do it. We think Nike got that from him because the key word in all of philosophy is action. You know, we know we say think and grow rich, but you got to do more. You got to move past the think. You got to develop some ideas and get help from experts, or if need be, to put them in place and and develop persistence. I know I just finished reading Steve Jobs's uh, book, uh, his bio, and he said of all the things he possessed. He put persistence. In other words, he had an idea. But he'll used to, I've read some of his audios I listened to, he'd ask the audience, he would say to you, Carlos, how many times do you think people try something before they give up on average? And he would get answers like two, three, four. What? He said, no, I said the average. He said the average is less than one. Some people try 10 times if it takes. Edison tried 10,000 times. Some people may try two or three times. Some fly one. But he said most people have an idea. And then they talk herself out of it. They say, nah, you know, 
My wife said that wouldn't work. Good so-and-so told me that wouldn't work. And they listened to opinions, which he'll describe as opinions as being the cheapest commodity on earth. If wow. you have an idea, you have to study it and stick with it and, and make a plan and develop persistence. But most people are simply not, they think they can think of something and, you know, can talk about Ferrari or whatever. And I say, well, I've always wanted a red one. And Carlos said, no, I want a black one. It's not going to be in the garage the next day. If we sleep on it and wake up, it's not going to be in the garage unless we do something else to bring it about. Wow, Don, Don, you got me the chills here right now because I need to find this. Um, I had a, a, a page here that I, um, I had, the, this is crazy. You're bringing this up. This is the Napoleon Hill um, Think and Go Rich Action Pack book. I don't know if you probably know about this one because I'm big. I, I literally, I decipher, you know, Napoleon Hill and then, you know, you as the president and director of the foundation. But this is crazy, though, because you, you say the word persistence, and, you know, here's something crazy. Look what I have here. A sticker on page 177, and there's a green sticker there to remind me, and that sticker say persistence. This is crazy how you bought this up. This is like, you know, and, then, and over here it says, right, anyone can learn persistence. Persistence is the state of mind. Therefore, it can be cultivated. Like all stages of mind, persistence, persistence is based upon definite causes among them. Definiteness, and then one, deftness of purpose. Two, desire. Three, self-reliance. Four, deftness of plan. And five, accurate knowledge. This is crazy. You give me the heels because, the chills because I have a little sticker note, you know, in this particular book, on my action pack, you know, I was like, wow, why don't you bought that up? My mind was like, it's because every time when I go back in life and in all the amazing people, the, you know, the billionaires and the amazing leaders, you know, that you, you've been surrounding with, all the amazing people that you've been learning, some of the people that I've been around with, billionaires and celebrities around the world, and that's one thing that we all have in common, it's that the persistence. It's that the, we, for us, this is our purpose. Like for us, is this is like ain't no struggle, ain't no rejection. We will dance with rejection. We will dance with the struggle. We will see the devils in the eyes and we'll stab him in the back. We have faith. We believe in something bigger than ourselves. We know that we are no longer here, you know, Don in this planet, that they're going to say, you know what? Don Green was here. Carlos Cicada were here. Every time they showed up, they showed up to blow up. And then we remind ourselves every day. As I always talk on this stage, the days that break you are the days that make you, you know? And it's, it's crazy you brought this up about persistence. And it's so many things come to mind here, Don. And Don, um, I know that you and I serve a lot of amazing and wealthy people out there. But one thing, since I was a child in Brazil, when I used to sell bread on the streets, I, I would ask business owners and very successful people like yourself. So for the people that are going to listen to us here, Don, because we have people here from all around the world that are going to be listening to us, you know, internationally, from all different types of society. If they are starting now, Don, if you, and then if they don't have the money and they starting now, and if you would be, let's say for, I drop you anywhere in the world, Don, and you have to start it over again, based on all the principles that you learned from Napoleon Hill and all the billionaires and all the amazing people you mentor and you're surrounding with, 
Because, you know, we learn just as much from the people that we mentor. What is three things, Don, that you would, you, you would do different if you would start over again and if you didn't have the resources, the money, for example, to start building an empire so that we can live that legacy? For somebody, they want to be like us. They want to be able to have several books. They want to speak on the stage. They want to mentor others. They want to be part of a legacy. Like you are part of the, the Napoleon Hill Foundation. They trusted you. It's like, what an honor. I would love, you know, have that honor. You know what I mean? Just, it's like very few people in the world can say that. So what would you say, Don, like three things that if you would start it over, you know, for that person that's listening to us here right now? If I didn't have ideas, I would read, uh, I would read about, I would read biographies and people who've been successful. Uh, you know, I said, if you just think how monkeys act, they learn from other monkeys. And we learn by watching and, and, and emulating successful people and make sure uh, if monkeys can learn from monkeys, we can learn from people that knows a lot more than we do. You know, you don't have to invent the wheel again if it's already out there and somebody's uh, done it. If you follow the same prescription that other people have followed and, and done over a period of time, uh, you'll, you'll have success. You may have to alter it. You may have to get, go to people that knows more than you do. But the main thing is, is having an idea and having plans. And he'll says, if you have an idea and you have plans, the plans may not work out. You can always change your plans, but you got to start. You got to start from somewhere. Like you and I were said, so we were going to uh, from Houston. We wanted to go to Naples, Florida. We kind of know the direction of the map and all of this, but we got to figure out some steps along the way where we cut, make turns, and what have you. And if we're traveling down a road, and it's could, uh, every what reason it's it's uh, these obstacles or other roads under construction. It said road closed for floods or what. Why can't we turn around and go in a different direction? There's more than one way to get there. But most people just give up. Well, I, it, my wife said, you know, it probably wouldn't work. I'd probably waste my time and money. Or my my best friend said, I eh, said, but I always remember that uh, story of a of banister that broke a four-minute mile. When we say something's impossible, that only means that somebody's not done it before. That's all it means. The uh, It's funny. I was reading uh, Leonardo da Vinci's, and he was the first guy to come up with uh, heavier than uh, things that can fly, heavier than aircraft, things that uh, it shouldn't be. But he studied the birds and what have you. And uh, I've got a newspaper clip on Napoleon Hill covered the Wright Brothers' flight. You know, he's a, it said a young cub reporter named Napoleon Hill covered the flight, the Wright Brothers, and he later flew with them. But the very week the Wright Brothers flew, some professor, I don't remember where it's Princeton, some professor, he wrote a paper on why that heavier than aircraft would not, was not possible. He wrote a paper to prove that man can never fly. You know, he can't put an object up or can fly that's heavier than the, uh, it, it was impossible the same week that the Wright brothers did it. And the, and, the, and, the, and the Wright brothers believed they could do it, and a lot of people thought he was crazy, including his father. Uh, but they stuck with it. You know, they were bicycle. They were they had a bicycle shop, but they had this idea of watching birds that somewhere another man could uh, make. And basically, it changed the world, just like uh, just like Edison's light bulb did. It uh, yeah, it was impossible. People, it, oh Marconi, read Marconi's story. A wireless. Uh, they his family took him to have him evaluated. They thought he lost his mind, and he finally con he finally convinced them. But, uh, you know, I mean, to be able to send voice 
without about with no means you just picked up the the or what you want to call it, transport someplace without a wire or whatever. Well, you know, I mean, are you crazy? So you tell someone, are you crazy? I mean, uh, you know, that's that's the kind of answers did. And of course, did he proved otherwise because he braved in it that, and you know, then no time you're making uh, uh, cross the oceans uh, and uh, and so forth. And I mean, uh, uh, I, I, I talked to the guy that invented the cell phone. And he had the idea, it's a guy by the name of uh, Cooper, he's an older guy now, but he uh, he had the idea, and of course, if you've ever seen the first one, it's about this about this long. And uh, he went to IBM, he thought that was, uh, you know, that would be the people, you know, had to, he needed money, you know, to develop it, he had the idea. They told him, man, it wasn't no, you know, it just, you know, wouldn't be no use for it. And uh, and he went, to Motor, he went to Motorola, and Motorola helped him. And he said when he got it perfected, the first call he made was he called the guy at IBM and said, "Hey, I got my cell phone working." <laughs> so I'm sure he got he got pleasures out of it. And I could tell you a personal story. Uh, Senator Mark Warner from Virginia, uh, probably one of the, he'll he'll get me up for this, but he's probably one of the richest people in the Senate. Uh, when he was young, he told me this on several occasions. I supported him when he ran for. Governor took him around, introduced him a few times, and I did when he was U.S. Senator. And he'd come to my book signing when my book came out. But he he wanted he needed ten thousand dollars when he was rather young. Knew his father didn't have it, and what he was doing was he could obtain the cell phone was new. He could obtain the rights for Virginia for cell phones. And I'll I'll repeat it about as good as he told it was. Uh, he didn't ask his dad because his dad didn't have it, so he asked an uncle. And he told him, he said, Mark, people don't want to drive around in their damn car talking on no damn telephone. He said, you're just going to waste your money and I'm not going to let you have it. So he finally got a friend to go to the bank, sign his note. But when he sold out, he said, it was a Netflix or he sold out. He walked away with $175 million on a $10,000 investment, which he had to borrow because he believed in what he was a. Uh, is what he was doing, and later my partner now we invested in one of his other other companies. But uh, but it's a remarkable story that someone had that idea, but no, it seemed that nobody else could nobody else could see it. But he turns ten thousand dollars into one hundred and seventy five million dollars. Pretty pretty day pretty day going nice nice uh, nice story. But now he could listen to someone other, and as as he'll said, their opinion was it was is useless. But like he'll said, opinions are, are a worthless commodity. And uh, and if you strong really believe in something other, and that's when he'll said, you know, purpose, he didn't say wish for something other. He said a burning desire. That means that means if necessary, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna be thinking about it when I go to sleep. I'm gonna wake up thinking about it, and I'm when I'm having my meals, I'm gonna be thinking about it. And that's probably a pretty good uh, that's probably a pretty good way for to be successful is to have a burning desire and be willing to pay the price. You know, these, uh, I know Brian Tracy used on the back of his books. And we, of course, our, our place was his school founded by Thomas Jefferson. And uh, Jefferson said, the saddest day in a person's life is when they sit down and figure they can obtain something for nothing. You know, there's a price to pay. Are we willing to give up watching the ball games uh, or following sports or, or just doing nothing? You know, if you got a regular eight-hour job, day or nine hours or what you work, probably what you do on the way from your job is more important than what you're doing on your job because 
I'm coming out of the bank one day, and, and this guy had a cell phone in his hand. And he said, hey, Don, he said, may I ask you something? I said, uh, I, got, I got a little bit of money. And said, I know you. Uh, I know from what I heard that you invest in the stock market. said, what would you invest in? And I said, I will tell you the same thing everybody else asked me. The first thing you do is to invest in yourself. That's the reason people should attend your seminars or somebody said, he's been there, he's done that, I'm gonna learn something, you know. And if you only walk away with one idea from reading a good book or attending a seminar, you pick up one thing and say, yeah, I didn't thought that, and make, you, and make you some notes. And I don't care if it's church. You, you know, you may get some, you may get some good, uh, you may get some good advice that you can uh, that you can uh, that you can apply somewhere, and uh, I think it's if we look at education and learning, it's, it's a continuous process. If we ever get to, your Carlos ever gets pointed, I don't know it all. You're, you're sunk Damn because man. your manner of delivery and uh, contacts and stuff should be changing every day. And uh, uh, and I think uh, I'm gonna be I'll be 78 here in a few days, and I said was the older I get the more I realize what I don't know. Wow. Uh, so that's the reason I keep reading it and, uh, and following people and learning something for sometimes. And as Hill said, sometimes we learn from people. It's important to learn what not to do. If, if uh, you saw someone get burnt with put because they put a hand on the stove and you never seen it before, you kind of believe what you see. You don't have to experience. Sometimes I think we, uh, Learning from fair is important, but we don't live long enough to make all the mistakes. If we can learn from other people and avoid a lot of them, like if you get some good advice from people who have book publications, you don't go into it blind. You know, I remember the first time I had a meeting with officials at Penguin Random House, because I'd been a baker. I was a bank president for almost 20 years. They said, we love Napoleon Hill because of the shelf life. That term didn't knowledge was not a term we used in banking. Now, if they said CDs and a bunch of other words, abbreviations, so I don't know what it's talking about. They said shelf life. And, of course, shelf life simply means that once they got that book printed, it stays in demand. It's on the shelves, long shelf life. In other words, I've got success to a positive attitude with Simon & Schuster. It was printed in 1960, you know, um, uh, which is which is a long time ago. It's at 58 years. It's the 59th year. It still sells well. I get a good royalty check twice a year from it. It sells well in audio and it sells well in ebook and the hard copy. It still sells well. And uh, so that's what we mean is it's something is so good that people don't get tired of it. You know, most of the most of the things like uh, we call them detectives or whatever. And I love to read some of them without mentioning them's name. But if you'll notice, most of them have done 20 books. They'll do one if they're really, if they're a, uh, John Grissom or David Baldacci, some of them. Uh, but they do one, and if you read it, you don't go back and pick up and read it again. You know, you read Think and Grow Rich or the Bible or a good book that they advice in. You don't say, well, I've read it. Because how we learn is, and I get that question a lot, is why should I go back and read it? I said, well, maybe you're smarter than I am. I did not get all my ABCs the first time. When I said them, we learn best by repeating things. And so, and it's not that think and grow rich has changed. It's the same as it was in 37, but just like gravity, we learn by repeating stuff and the principles that was a, was a, was a work then they'll work today. If you follow the same thing, you can expect to get about the same results. But also is we go back and read some of that stuff like think and grow rich or good books is the material's not changed, but we have. 
you've been to seminars and you've heard these other people that's been ultra successful and people's made a lot of money and been successful in business. So you've got an added perspective. You've become more educated. You, you understand better. And, and so the material didn't change, but 10 years ago, when you read that and you read it 10 years ago today, you'll look at it and say, gosh, man, I didn't realize that. You know, it was there the whole time, but you had changed. You got a different perspective on things. And that's the reason it's so important to learn from other people is uh, is we get a we get a different perspective with a little added knowledge here and there that, that we've done it. And like I said, from learning during that process, you're so much more effective because you've got additional knowledge and you've learned a lot, just like learning to deal with a publisher, things to avoid, you know, don't get trapped in something other, you know, and uh, you know, there's all there's all kinds of things uh, that you can negotiate. Like uh, if the, I do a foreign book and and if it, we give it five years, and if it doesn't pay up what we agree on the royalty is, we can cancel the contract, or we won't renew it because we want somebody to promote the, promote the book. So there's a lot of things you can do to protect yourself. Because hey, listen, listen, they're gonna have smart lawyers on their side. Penguin Random House attorneys who pay you a tremendous advance but that can take six months to develop a contract. So, you know, somebody's got to go through it. The contracts that we do for, we've got almost 500 foreign publishers. I've got thousands of thousands of thousands of contracts uh, that we've done. And uh, I mean, Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, I've done nearly 23, 24 different books with them. But, and we prepare all the foreign contracts because they're simple. But the uh, contract prepared in the United States is prepared by, your publisher's attorney. And so they've got their attorneys getting everything in that they want to protect themselves. And so you have to, you have to use, get some advice from other people to protect your earners. Cause once it's signed, whether it be uh, buyback price or uh, where you sell it at, how much they're going to print, how much they're going to spend on promotion and what they will do to help you promote it without you have to pay an arm and a leg. Uh, because some of them would give you a decent amount of money is and say, well, we throw it out there and they work. If they work real hard, they make some money. They'll make us some money and, uh, and, uh, and have no idea. I mean, just think Amazon and I've done books with Amazon and we, I have 34 audio with brilliance, which is owned by Amazon. They have 34 of them. Uh, but Amazon has over 7 million books listed on there. And now, why are they going to promote Don Grange or Carlos's book? We need something in there that says the minimum, at least the minimum, how much they'll spend and what they will do and how much we can buy the books from and how much we can, uh, we can promote it. Uh, so, you know, if you had your book and you sent it to a hundred of your friends with a little note in there and we did a card that says, this is our newest publication. Uh, please read it. If you enjoyed it, would you mind going on Amazon and, and uh, do a review? And so, you know, that's the reason you want, you, want, uh, you want books. The book you give away could be someone who turns around and buys a lot of them for the gifts, or they tell a lot of people, they post it on their things and so forth. So anything you can get in that contract to uh, better your chances of being successful is what you need. Because, you know, you can't do it all yourself. Yeah. You can do it through other people. That's yeah, really help you. And most people are. Most people are willing, uh, are more than willing, willing to uh, to do a favor for you, to post it on uh, uh, 
Instagram, their Facebook people or whatever. Yes. No, he's always talk about don't like this is the year of collaboration, right? And you just yes. drop so much knowledge here. Like for you, Vera out there, I want you guys to go back on this because this is so important. Just like you have to fail forward, fail faster. You know, I think it's Dale Carnegie that says this quote, and am I going to screw up the quote here? But the moral of the quote is that the great, the greatness, greatness leaders in the planet, the people that has done the most, they came from nothing and they failed and they went against the most, you know, you cannot even think about the type of odds, what they had to go through, but because they kept failing forward, failing faster, failing quicker, they end up getting to the end result. Like when Napoleon Hill started, he, he was broke. He didn't have nothing. And he just started. He decided to put himself out there in the environment. Don Green put himself out there in the environment. And we kept failing forward. Like, Don, you know, you made me go back to my childhood here, you know, like failing forward. And then I started seeing all that violence growing up. And I was like, why those leaders don't show up here in my country? Why they don't come? I would ask my grandma, you know, after my grandpa would come home and then would abuse us. And then I would lock the door and I would push the furniture against the door and, and so that he couldn't come in. And I would lay down below her hammock. And then I'll say, Grandma, you know what I mean? We used to cry. And then she'd say, you know what, son? It's better to laugh instead of crying. And then she used to translate it, Les Brown quotes in Portuguese. You know, shoot for the moon, son, and you will land among the stars. Stay hungry. Greatness is within you. But you see, those words, don't, they became embedded in my subconscious mind that I wanted to be, if they're not gonna come here into the Brazil, into the hood, into the favelas, into the streets, I was gonna become that person. I draw a line and say, I don't care how much hell, rejection, abuse, torture, hunger I have to endure, I will find a way. You know, when I got to Boston, you made me think about this. Uh, you're talking about, you know, reading the biographies, you know, uh, first come to this country with $800 in my pocket, I'll go to the mayor's office to grab food, and then after I grabbed food, like a loaf of bread and some cans of soup, I have a little bag. And then on the way home, it was a library. And then uh, not my home, I was sleeping in a house on the floor, you know what I mean? At a friend's of a friend's house, you know, for a couple of months. And it was a library. And I wanted to learn English faster. So I'll go to the library and I will pick it up. I know audio books and biographies and like books from Napoleon Hill and, you know, like, Think and Go Rich and all the amazing books out there, Outweeding the Devil, and, and you know, you name it, you know, the Bible, all the books that I love, you know, and I was just Seven Habits, Stephen Colby, you name it, you know, and then just read and I saw that I was, it's just fascinating how they all came from nothing, but they had that message inside of them. They put themselves out there. They interviewed the greatest. They had a voice. They know they have something within them. And I always tell people, I man, if you haven't died, it's for a reason. You know what I mean? I tell people, you don't tell God, why me? You say, God, show me. You know what I mean? You're going to face hell. I'll tell you something right now, listener. You know, it's possible. You might be right now on the bottom and you don't have nothing. It's possible. Like Don say, start. Just start. And don't actually answer the question that I always love to ask. What is the three questions that you get asked the most? And he also answered some of these questions and he dropped massive, you know, knowledge on, on books and books, contracts and all these amazing things. And then Don, tell me something. What is something that, that, you know, you were never asked for that you wish somebody would have asked you? I always love to ask this question. Well, I'm, I'm kind of surprised. I'm sure it might've happened over a period of time, but people ask me, uh, 
I'll get asked, I would take a lot more people to ask how I ever got the job as an executive director of the Napoleon Hill Foundation. You know, and I, of course, I, I wrote a little bit about my book. You know, um, sometimes our ship don't come in. We might have to swim out where it is. In other words, what I mean by it is there's nobody liable to knock on your door and say, Carter, cut that television off. I've got something for you. But I wrote the foundation and told him what I'd done. I'd read the books. He was from the same area I was. And um, I thought I'd just give him some information. I was a bank president. I was in all kinds of businesses. I didn't need, I didn't need it, but uh, they invited me to come to Chicago and have dinner with them. And, and of course, I wanted to meet Mr. Stone. I had to actually, uh, how I got the idea for it. I spoke at a historical society, and one of my members, I said, it wasn't too bad for not to be paid, but I didn't even get fed. You know, I just met for a group of 25 people, and I, and I talked about Napoleon Hill, but I had, I had a, I had a, I listened to a tape from uh, Mr. Stone, so I had it on my audio as I was driving back home. It was about a 15-minute drive, and so I took my pad out before I got into bed, and I wrote a letter to him, and then when I went in the next morning, I gave it to my secretary and asked her to send it. And then I got contacted back, asked me to come and have dinner dinner with them. And of course, I was anxious to meet Mr. Stone. Mr. Hill was dead, but Stone was. And 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 I waited. He sat down so I could sit where he sat because I wanted to be able to talk to him through the dinner and, and so forth. And uh, and I remember uh, one particular story I remember about him. He told he wrote about a little bit about it in the book, but um, he was six years old. His mother was a seamstress, single parent. He went on a paper, as you may have read it, part of it, he wrote part of it in a book once, that he was uh, six years old and he'd get beat up by the boys bigger than him, didn't, you know, turn to take their corner selling uh, papers. So he goes into a restaurant and starts selling them to the people having breakfast. And they would sell a few of them. And the owner uh, would say, Son, you can't do that in here. And he'd, he'd lead him outside. Well, he talked about the risk and rewards. He'd always go in there. He could sell a few before the guy put him out. And so one day, he did so many times that he laid him to the door that the uh, the uh, the people in the restaurant eating said, I'll leave him alone. He's not hurting nothing. So then all of a sudden, he's got that restaurant all by himself. He goes in there every morning and sells a bunch of papers. And uh, and more than that, he said, no matter how rough it had been of a night, him and his mom got on their knees at the foot of the bed and gave thanks. Uh, and uh, uh, the uh, following kind of what he did and where he uh, where he uh, got got to was uh, just kind of amazing story. And of course, he was give think and grow rich, and he gave away thousands of copies. If you meet anybody that's ever worked for Combine Insurance Company, and they buy thousands of books, they buy thousands of books from us every year. They give their books to their employees, and I hear it over and over, I hear it over and over over again. But you know the things he did. You know if I could, yeah, if we we can get it. But I can turn around there and look, and I can see Mr. Stone's uh, picture in the White House with Ronald Reagan, and uh, and uh, Ronald Reagan said Clem, and nobody calls him Clem. Said uh, Clem, best wishes, uh, uh, Ron Reagan. And of course, there's a flag flag in the flag in the background and portrait I guess of some of the other presidents. He's in the White House, so. Uh, he he ventured he ventured uh, he ventured out. I remember sitting with him and we talked about different books and all. And I'd read the same things basically he had read. Uh, uh, Frank Channing Haddock and uh, wrote *Per Will*, in which it nothing but perseverance. I've got his personal copy for some time. You visit me, it's uh, in our archives. 
he he underlined practically every line. It's nothing on it. It's nothing on it but the prayer of will or, or our persistence, and that's and that separates people. It's not just people that's intelligent, but people that's uh, some of them, some of the, I would call them the biggest failures in life. Who've got PhDs, you know, never done nothing with it. They told us in school that knowledge is power, P-O-W-E-R. It's only potential power. It's not worth nothing. Go on Jeopardy and show how smart you are. Do something with it. But just to acquire it and not put it to use uh, is, uh, is not, not, much, not much value. It's the application of what you learned. If someone tells you how to write a good book and you, you think about it, you'd be surprised, Carlos. A number of people tell me they've been thinking about writing this book for 20 years. I said, thinking? They can no do it. I mean, if you're going to write the book, write today, book, you know. And then, then as a John Chid, one of the authors said, was almost anybody can write a book. Hardest thing in the world is to sell it. You got to get out there and promote it. I remember speaking to my book come out. I spoke to Aquinas. And uh, there were about 20 some odd people in there, but all of but two had done bought the book. <laughs> and so, but you know, I could, well, it, it might sound like a, fa- a failure, but it was in, uh, it was in about, it was in November. And so, so they said, well, what can we get them for to give them for gifts? So I ended up selling, selling a bunch more. But uh, you, it don't matter if it's two people. Uh, you know, somebody said, what do you say when you talk for us 20-some thousand people out in Vegas? I said, I say, say the same thing if I were two people in a room. It's the same message. One-on-one, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how many is listening. What matters is how many people you influence. You only influence one or where you finish 10 or you finish 100 or whatever it is. But uh, – but that's but that's what you do. But Mr. Stone said, he said he called me boy. <laughs> I wasn't a boy, but you uh, probably ate me. So how, how old were you? You know, when you had that meeting, what an honor to meet you know Mr. Stone. Wow! When I met Mr. Stone, it would have been uh, let's see, he's been dead twenty years. Uh, gosh, it, it was uh, it was in the late eighties, probably. And it, wow. anyway, he said he called me boy. He said, boy, you know more about these books than I do. He said, you ought to be on my board. And I said, Mr. Stone, what do I have to do? He said, we won't pay you, but we'll pay you expenses. He said, you just keep up with what's going on. And that, and that was it. So then later, we, we had a chance to sell the bank. And I know the, the foundation, the other guy was, was helpful, was not good, and he couldn't travel at all. And uh, they were looking for a replacement. And one guy said, Don, who knows as much about this stuff as you do? And I said, guys, I'm a president of a bank. We got a chance to sell it. But... Uh, I said, uh, uh, start off with, I want to live in Chicago. And uh, and I said, but if you really want me to run the job is, I can move it to Wise. They said, you can move it. I said, man, there's nothing to it. It's all in her head in the books. I said, uh, all I got to do is transfer the bank accounts. I said, I own all the books already. And uh, that's how I started. I bought a, I had a dry cleaners. And uh, I, I put an office in particular for to work, well, to work out of the house. And uh, I went to Walmart. I believe it was uh, it's before the internet. And I bought a fax machine with a phone built in it. Of course, in the cleaner, they had to keep the door shut because of noise. And uh, and I used a phone and a fax machine. I acquired from reading that there was a book that published publishers all over the world. It gave their name. It gave their fax number. It gave their uh, was no email. And, and uh, it told how many books they published previous year and what their genre was. In other words, medical or did they do self-help, motivation, or what have you. So I, so I would sit down and list those things. And I would write the ones in China. And I did this, this and a girl would 
stop it. We work for me at the bank. He'd stop, pick it up, type it up, bring it, drop it off the next morning, and I'd fax it to them people, and I started getting them in, and I started making a ton of money. And I mean, shortly, I know I need somebody, and I told her, I said, Nita, I got to hire somebody full-time. And she said, I'd love to work for you. And I said, I'll take care of you. I'll pay you more than what you make at the bank. I know what you make. I'll pay you a lot more. And uh, she said, uh, I'll take you. I know you will. And she said, I'll give them notice. And she came to work for me. She worked for me. Well, she started in June. But then I've had her granddaughter work for me as a student. She was valedictorian. She worked six years. She's now a pharmacist. And then her grandson's worked for me since he's 14 at Zane. He came to work for me when he was 14 years old. And he's standing around back in the back room once more, but I've started him at 10 bucks an hour in eighth grade. Cause he knows he knew more about the computer than what I do today. And he worked for, he finished in three years, a double major and he's studying online. He'll be a CPA in a, you know, you know, wow. He can take the exam in May. Yeah. And so he's worked for me eight years and uh, he learned a lot. He, uh, even in the financial world, he, he started in college with it. A lot of kids have checking accounts. But he had a stock account. He could buy his own stock, and he had a retirement account, and he's kept them up. So he's 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 learned a lot. He's been uh, and, and, we, we're working good together. And Donnie, speaking of signed autograph, signed copies, you know, I mean, I'm I'm so grateful that I have uh, this a few signed autographs books over here from you. You know, uh, think and go rich, outwit in the devil. But he, this is a special one over here, man. Uh, and I wanted to just to tell the listeners a little bit about this book because I am fascinated by it. It's an amazing book that you wrote. Everything I know about success, I learned from Napoleon Hill. Uh, you know, like, tell us, the, the, the reader here, like, why is this book is a must that they should have in their library? Because I always tell people that it's always, you got to have your top 10 books in your library. And this book over here, it's wow. <laughs> That's one thing that I got to say, wow. I did a, I'd been to Malaysia twice and a lady got in touch with me and had her material class. She's a lawyer, very successful. And she was enthused by it. She called me one day and wanted me to come over to an international convention. And I can remember it's been years ago, but one of the persons on it was Deepak Chopra. He was a speaker. And, uh, and I, and I spoke and, and she made a remark to me and some other people had said, you ought to tell him stories cause my life's like yours. It's just stories, you know, it's just stories. And uh, I think most people love stories. It, well, you know, we tell it. You tell a story. Carlos tells a story. I might not remember everything that you said, but I will remember your story. You know how you come to this country and so forth, and you you said your 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 mom's not going to be uh, abused no more, and 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 so forth. Remember that. Remember the stories. And uh, and so I was told I should write the book. And so I went out. Well, you know, we we'll do scholarships. I don't need the money. So uh, everyone will get advanced or what we get for the book sales. Why well, it, uh, it'll uh, go to help, help, help scholars because we're in an area of poverty. It's a coal mining area. I think about 80% of the kids' family didn't, didn't go to, they had no formal education, you know, beyond just high school. And so I thought it could make a, make a difference. And, uh, and I thought the idea was to me, God, if somebody dumb and of a background you got, your parents went to seventh grade, your mom was 16 kids, your dad was a dozen, and all they, they, they dropped out of school after seventh grade because there was nowhere else to go, and they went to work. I mean, you know, if a boy was 14 years old, he didn't have a job, man. He, you know, he should be working, helping a family, you know, a lot of kids in the family. So, uh, and, uh, and uh, I thought, uh, you know, I could, uh, I, could, I could help out, and I just told some of the stories. You know, I mean, this lady from uh, – 
Colorado. She interviewed me one time on the phone and she said, she had my body. I don't know who she talked to. She said, um, I, we, I got the information on you. Uh, Mr. Green says, uh, you grew up without a bathroom. I said, no, that's not right. She said, what do you mean? Is I said, it was not in the house. It was, it, we, had to, we had to go to it. I said, and she said, what do you mean? I said, well, that meant if you had the urge to go to the bathroom, you had to get up and put your pants on, a pair of shoes, and get your flashlight so the snakes wouldn't bite you. You step on the snake one, and uh, so she got a big life out of it. But I didn't think nothing about it because the other the other kids where we lived, it was the same way we lived in the country. You know, we had a, the dad worked in the coal mines underground, and and it, and we learned some things on drift. Mom would say, if you ask for something other, she'd say, now we can't waste our money. He said, your poor old daddy has crawled out on his knees and make a living and said, we don't know when he might get hurt or get killed and, and we won't have no money coming in. So it meant go pick up the pop bottles, go use a push board and get a quarter from one of the yard. And, it, and, uh, and believe me, and I see it today and I own Walmart stock and I love Walmart. I, would, I got the Sam Walton Award one year for the work I've done in the community. I got his book and I got his cap and a plaque. But uh, uh, anyway, I see, you go into Walmart and you see all them kids out there putting that money in them machines, hoping to win something. Them kids didn't walk miles and pick up pop bottles for a penny apiece. That was money you give to them by their parents or their uh, by their uh, grandparents, and it has no meaning to them. You know, they stick their hand out and they give them a few bucks or whatever, and they basically blow it. I didn't blow it. I remember making three dollars when I was five years old, and I and I got a better feeling out making that three dollars than when I did when I was a banker when I sold a piece of land mail harder for two million bucks to Walmart. I, that three dollars meant more to me. I didn't even have a billfold when I was five years old. We dug some, dad showed me how to dig may apple, which is a herb. And I think it was 15 cents a pound. But anyway, I went with him to take it off to the place that bought it. They dug ginseng in, uh, in their weekends and so forth when it wasn't working. And uh, and anyway, he, that man paid him and oh, he figured it out, but he gave me three ones. He said, this was your part. And uh, and uh, I, I could count, I was five years old, I would put that $3 in my pocket. I know I couldn't go two minutes or three without pulling it out and counting it again. I'm getting like, I know I still got three dollars, you know. I count it one, two, three, and uh, it meant that much. It meant that much to me, but I earned that money, yes. and to, and and you, you developed it. That money you earned, you you could win the lottery. You wouldn't feel as good as you know. You said Carlos made this money himself. Uh, you know he stuck. He got up early. He worked late, and he made that. Some of the things you learned, like. My daughter's a CPA, but she's got her own business. She's uh, done done extremely well. She's working for some rich people the last couple of weeks in Naples, Florida. At, uh, but anyway, she was in the Girl Scouts. And uh, I told her, I said, uh, she's real anxious, real energetic. And uh, and I, I told her, I said, now I will tell you how to sell the Girl Scout cookies. Your mom's going to drive you through the neighborhood. And when you knock on her door, you're going to wear your little uniform with all your badges and so forth on it. And I said, when they come to the door, you're selling four cookies. You're selling, I said, mint, uh, uh, chocolate chip, peanut butter, and one of them. They were four, four cookies. And when they come to the door, as you say, I'm Donna, I'm from Troop so and so, and said, said, we have four cookies we sell to raise money. Uh, which ones would you like to buy? You don't, and I said, what do you mean? I said, you don't ask them if they want cookies or not. They can say yes or no. But the decision is it doesn't matter which one. You ask them which ones they want, and they're going to buy something from you. So to make a long story short, one Saturday I'm going to the office. I was a finance manager as far as got in banking, and I was doing some work, and her, her and her mom went in the bank. And she told one of the tellers, she said, 
told who she was, said, my daddy's got a lot of money in this bank. I might have had $200 because I know what I was making. I was just getting started kind of. And uh, she said, would y'all sell my cookies? Uh, Girl Scout cookies. And they said, yeah. I said, do you get your daddy to bring a boxer? Well, they were about seeds. It was it was first nationally. They, were they were about six tellers across the front. And so they thought it's funny. One of what she said, but they got to compete and see which one of the little, Donna, little Donna's cookies they could sell. Well, to make a long story short, when the cookie sale was over, she sold more than the whole troop did, you know, because she had learned enough to make a, to, uh, to make a difference, uh, to make a difference. And wow. I love that story. <laughs> funny stories. Uh, 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 she, one of her things was collecting autographs. And she'd read the paper. I told her, you know, she'd see notable people in there. And she could find out how to contact them. Nixon was president at the time. So she thought it'd be great to get Nixon's uh, autograph. So she wrote to White House. I'm an I'm a 11-year-old Girl Scout. I'm and so the letter comes back with a little card. It said, the president's very busy. And we're happy to furnish you with a facsimile of his signature. And she said, what does that mean? I said, that means that he didn't want, he don't take, take time to give it to you. That's just a picture of his signature. She said, well, that's no good. And I said, well, what do you think can come up with? I said, you have to ask someone to go to the president in your behalf because you're not going to get a scene. And so uh, she knew Hubert Humphrey. She said, well, how about S Senator Humphrey said, I saw him on TV and said, he's got a little special granddaughter. She was uh, uh, mentally retarded. And I said, you write him and get to send it and, uh, and tell him. So he writes Humphreys a letter and, and told about watching his little granddaughter and said, I'm in the Girl Scouts and I want Mr. President Nixon's signature and I've not been able to get it. So I don't know how long it was, two or three weeks or something. She gets a nice letter from White House. The president is glad to uh, answer Mr. Senator Humphreys' request and we'll provide you with a signature. And, and she got Richard Nixon's <laughs> signature. But it was teaching her lessons in uh, teaching her lessons in perseverance. I was just saying, well, you didn't quit, because I remember when she when she got married, she was uh, her uh, husband. He's a he's got an MBA. He's a he was treasurer of a large coal company, and he told me one day he said, "Your daughter could make money standing on a flat rock." I said, uh, <laughs> I said, he said, where did she learn that from? I said, I don't have I don't have a, I don't have a clue. Uh, but you, you, you got to, the desire, a burning desire and a belief and persistence. I mean, there's absolutely, no, absolutely no, no limits. But most of the people that don't, the people don't accomplish anything. It's, it's not that they don't talk herself into something. They talk herself out of something. Other. You know, you give yourself 10,000 negative comments to yourself. You, we tend to believe ourselves, you know. We can say, hey, you know, you should try that, you know, I mean, I'm not going to, you know, I, the story of my, my, one of my partners, he took my first class, high school graduate, and he sold out for $45 million by making a series of little stores. He only had one when I started. And uh, one day we was at, we was at lunch and we was coming out and the guy walking across the park and Wendell says to him, I asked him, I, I didn't see the guy, but I didn't know him, but he went, tells me this guy's wife worked for, for Wendell run his, uh, he had convenience stores with uh, food service in them, you know, like some of them had Taco Bell, some of them had uh, Burger King, different ones, you know, service station or convenience store. And, and uh, so he asked that guy, called him a name, said, uh, 
you ever get you a job? He said, no. He said, uh, well, just wondered to where all of you applied. He said, he's nobody hard. <laughs> the guy's probably not going to get a job. He's got a wife working. He's probably getting a bunch of benefits. I don't know what. <laughs> but, you know, he said, he's no use applying. He's nobody hiring, you know. And so he doesn't really talk himself out of a job, you know. Of course, I guess if you got hungry enough, you know, you'd probably go steal something. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but uh, we have to be careful about things like that, saying, wow. uh, or, <laughs> thinking, well, that's too big. You know, well, why, would a, why would a big old publisher uh, want to publish my book or something like that? I don't know, but you can. You ain't gonna know until you try it. You find out, uh, you know. But the but the thing is, in presenting it to them, a couple of chapters on is wow. big thing they want the platform. What's Carlos going to do to sell this book? <laughs> uh, and uh, and uh, if you've got a good enough platform, and of course we're fortunate to have Napoleon Hill Foundation, which is a good start because of our social media and the people that know who Napoleon Hill is. That's off to a good start. But you've got to convince them that the book's going to sell. And uh, and uh, so many people don't. A lot of them take a shortcut by paying somebody a whole lot of money to print the thing. My God, you can get the thing printed on Amazon through CreateSpace for less than a thousand dollars. You know, it ain't no big deal putting it listed. The job is once that thing is wrote, is sell that book. Yes. Speak to everybody you can do. Do every interview you can do, and and uh, and and never miss a chance where it's a few people or a whole lot of people, and and have people working on your behalf that. Uh, that uh, people feels good about doing you favors. Yes, no, there's so many lessons here too, John. In, uh, you know, Don, Don, it's like I wish we had so much more time because you and I, we, it's like, guys, it's just so important that you go back and you listen to this interview over and over and over again. From his daughter, you know, selling that cookies, like, you know what I mean? It's from the persistence, from, you know what I mean? All the, the, the strategies for the books, you know what I mean? Like collaboration, being, you know, around others, you know what I mean? Just really think truly before you put something out on social media before you write your book before you go on a stage you need to think truly throughout your processes and your systems and just ask better questions every day i always every day i wake up in the morning you know what i mean i tell myself you know what can i do today that nobody else is doing nobody else is thinking of doing nobody else won't do what can i do right now that we can be indestructible indispensable incomparable it's that mindset that everything that Don has been talking about over here that he learned from Napoleon Hill, from Clement Stone, from all these strategies that he discussed here and then all the amazing things in his book, you know, uh, everything that I learned from Napoleon Hill is just, it's just guys that, you know, wow. And Don, you know, I have one last question over here for you, my friend, because I know that, you know, your time is very valuable and I appreciate you here. I know the listeners definitely, you know what I mean, going to have so much to take out of from this is if you could go back in time and give an advice to your, you know, 18-year-old when you first started on the journey, when you start, you know, working, like understanding, you know what I mean? What is one device that you would give to that person? And is what is one advice? It's a two-in-one question. And is what is one advice that would you give you, would you give yourself, you know, 10 years from now? So your future self and your younger self. Let's start with your younger self. Would, would be simply to learn all you can learn. Uh, and and read. I mean, read the biographies. I don't care if it's Abe Lincoln or Martin Luther King or Franklin Roosevelt or whatever. Uh, you learn. Some of them were born in uh, uh, fluency, but but a lot of them weren't. And uh, and uh, I think the ones like you yourself and myself, we probably appreciate a little more because they said we weren't born with a silver spoon. But we developed a belief in ourselves. 
uh, that uh, that we study and work hard and, and develop the qualities that uh, that, that successful uh, people do. I said, if you read Billy Ray Cyrus, the musician's uh, book, uh, he he'll Billy Hardy was born not far from here, and I think I believe I saw he somewhere he's worth a hundred million or so. He's done pretty well. Of course, he's Miley, Miley Cyrus's father, but he said he got thrown out of school. Uh, for having a dog in his room, a stray dog. And he was on a baseball scholarship, and he wanted to be a pro baseball player. And he played semi-pro. But he said he didn't tell who, but he said our Dr. Bailey gave him Think and Grow Rich. And if you read that book, he's got one chapter devoted to Napoleon Hill. He said the, the heading of the chapter was, buy a guitar and start a band. He said it was almost like God spoke to him. First off with, he didn't own a guitar, and he didn't, and he didn't have a band. And he couldn't play a guitar, but he did. And he said, what he learned in that, in, in the reading the book was perseverance. He, the guys practiced and practiced. And he said, sometimes they get as little as $50, but they had to take the nightclubs or rough joints. We call them beer joints or honky tonks. He said, they'd break out and fight sometimes throwing beer bottles. And of course, we know he'd come out. He stuck at it. I stuck at it. Sometimes they got a few hundred dollars. Then he comes out with that song, Achy Breaky Heart, the girls love to dance with. And you know, and then it looked like overnight success, but it took him years to develop develop that. And for just reading that book and said, this might be similar to what I am. I got such a belief in this thing is I'm not going to give up on it. This is what I'm going to do. Is you know, I said I gave a talk one time to a chamber of commerce. I, I think I don't where is here. I was president of it for one year when I was in banking, and this lady comes up to me at the at the break was having lunch, and she said I, I was talking about goals. She said, I always have goals. I just don't write them down. I said, I can remember them. I said, yeah, that's what we call dreams. I said, the reason we write them down is it's a contract with herself. Carlos puts his name on there and he said, this is what I'm going to do. And you list them one, two, three. And, and you look at that list over and over again and you say, I've not done nothing about this one. And then, but you do what it takes to do it and you cross it off and you do the next one, same thing. And you look up. It's up September, October, November, and you got something you're lacking doing. You say, "I'm about to get off my butt and go to work on this." You know, I was going to do this, I was going to do this, and I did. But we write them down. And uh, as as a guy did me some emails, he said there was no point in writing something down if you really wanted it, you'd remember it. And I said, you know, maybe maybe you're sharper than I am, you know, but it's me. It's a contract with myself. And so help me, God posts that puts out a little verse, which I read of a morning, and the verse that morning was in this email conversations was I just sent him that verse it's in that chapter starts off I can't say the name pronunciation but it starts off at JK and it says your plans write them down and write them plainly mm -hmm. I sent him that verse and he said you won <laughs> uh, so you know there's some advice that's real old that you can we can I don't say you have to take all advice and, and you but you can ask yourself what does that mean uh, you know you know and, and, and gosh we to be able to learn from others. I mean, you can go back and read Leonardo da Vinci's biography. He's painted the Last Supper in, in 1495. Took him years. It's 20 foot high, 29 foot across. But took him years to do it. I guess that's perseverance. In the same way, here, here's a guy that painted Last Supper, Mona Lisa, no doubt the most two famous paintings in the world. And uh, and of course, he was a good painter, but he had persistence. He kept making changes on it, changes on it, changes on it. And even he taught, and he taught, he kept he kept detailed notes um, like on painting uh, the Last Supper. Christ has got on a, a blue about 
about this color. He stands out so much more. And he explained how he mixed that up to get that bright color because he stands out among the 12 apostles. You know, he's six of them on each side. But he explains all the details and appears to be motions and so forth. And I mean, it's just it's just wonderful from running that guy. Here's a guy in the 1490s uh, that uh, that studied his art and, and 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 so forth, and he was on payroll of the Pope, and uh, and and so forth. So we can learn him if it's just one little detail. As uh, you learn a lesson in perseverance, or a lesson about having ideas, or lessons of of seeking help from others. You know, and I'll tell you one thing. One thing that kind of surprised me is, and of course, I got some I got some friends that's. Uh, you know, it's just fabulously wealthy. But I have discovered that people are busy. The busy people, the one gets up, to, they're more apt to help you, help you, assist you than someone that's got nothing but time. Yeah. And uh, I know Doc Smitty, our chairman, uh, of cancer college for 40 years. He died last year at age 96. And he was also on my bank board also. Uh, uh, he... Uh, 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 he, uh, he 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 talked about such things like that, and you and you know, and what he had what he what he had told about how he acquired some money for scholarships and gifts to the college and also so forth was uh, he he just had a lot of nerve to ask people and uh, and and, uh, and 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 to not, not give up on something you had an idea and not say that guy he ain't gonna give no money um, and uh, and and just be free, just be afraid to and. Uh, and so you can learn something other from other people, what they've done and from reading their books and what have you. And I said, sometimes it's to be a different, different lesson from, from different people. Sometimes people was, was concentrate on developing a new idea. Other people would be the value of persistence. Other people would be the, the value of a mastermind or being able to work with, with other people. Because I know I had two partners and one of them had done in the building business. I can't, I tell you, I can't drive a nail. I mean, I have absolutely no talents whatsoever. But uh, as my wife told some people one day, she said, Don can almost do nothing, but he can always find somebody to do it. Yeah, and um, so and I, she meant to be funny, I think, but I took it as a compliment. Because yeah. I cut my hand one time trying to change a light bulb in my driveway. I live behind a gated fence. And the lights come on. I was going out one night. And uh, I was taking it out, and I want to scoot down, but not get my pants, not get my knees on the ground. And I stumble, and I, and I, the bulb broke, cut my hand right in the middle, which messed my evening up. I called the hospital where I was chairman of the board. I told the lady, I said, I cut my hand on my light bulb. And I said, I got it stopped bleeding. She said, is it one of them new light bulbs? And I said, yeah, it's one of them. It's been in there for two or three years probably. And she said, you better come down and let us check it because they're poison. I said, thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> so I was talking to my daughter later about that. And I said, yeah, your daddy can't do nothing. I said, I'm going to write a book about things I can't do. I said, I'm, I'm going to start a column. I said, the first one is I can't change a light bulb without cutting my hand. And she said, daddy, I wouldn't worry about it. I said, you get pretty good at making money. Said, okay. <laughs> oh, uh, God, what an amazing man. I really appreciate you, my friend. Don, um, I want to you know, uh, end this interview with a question here. That's something that's so meaningful that I always – you know, remind myself, you know what I mean? It's um, if you have, you know, five minutes to live, what is the message uh, that would you like to live for the world? Something that they, for them to always remember? Well, I'll, I'll tell you, Carlos, I know we always talk about leaving a legacy, you know, what we've done, if we're going to remember about it. I tend to change that a little bit, and I'd say was not leaving the legacy, but live one. I want to see these kids benefit. We, 
We have 20 scholars here. They've done amazing work, uh, doctors, uh, pharmacists, or CPAs, or whatever, in business. But I can see that while I'm still here. I don't have to, why do I have to die to create something good? Why can't I see, why can't I help some kid go to school? And plus I'm, I've helped 30 some kids besides those 20. I'm helping more than 50 kids go to college. And so there's, there's satisfaction in it and I'm seeing it. I'm enjoying it while I'm here. I'm living it rather than leaving one. Uh, I would not want to say, I wonder how much he had in stock when you were laying there with the uh, uh, spread out uh, people walking by. I would hope somebody would say, wonder how many kids he helped. Yeah. That would be good enough. In fact, is right now is I saw my neighbor up the street. She's helping. Uh, there's an organization called uh, Distressed. Uh, it's got distressed, distressed young or something other. So I saw she did it. So her husband's a sheriff and and uh, uh, lived down the street. And he all looks after myself when I'm gone. And uh, of course, I live behind a gated community. And I got alarms and all, but I never had any problems. But um, but uh, and I've got you know I can pull up my ADT on the thing. Even when I was on doing a cruise and seminar a couple of years ago on the British Columbia, I uh, I could pull it up and see if the camera's all in place and I could check the rooms and you don't see nothing's done. And so, uh, uh, so I, uh, I called her and I said, uh, uh, Shalon, I said, uh, I saw you post on her. What are you doing? She said, well, we have about 300 kids that are, uh, they're displaced. I said, what do you mean they're displaced? Well, the parents has forsaken them. Uh, they've been taken away from authorities for the cause of families, victim drugs or whatever. And she said, we try to, we try to put something other together for them. I said, what's the age of them? She said, probably the average age is eight or 10 years old, or even some younger than that. And I said, well, what do you put together? She said, well, she said, uh, we always would try to get a blanket for all of them, a little, you know, lap blanket or whatever you, uh, some other things like, I said, I said, well, how about a book? And so we have a little children's book. And I said, yeah, I, I can give you 300 books and I, and I'll, and I'll buy the, I'll buy the blanket for you. I said, I'll stop and see you over the weekend. I said, I'm not, I won't have any free time until Saturday or Sunday one. And, uh, but uh, we, we can do things while we're here, uh, you, you know, at, uh, that I think makes a, uh, makes a makes a meaning, and of course I, uh, I'm not no I'm not the most religious person in the world, but I remember a, the verse. I pick out one a, a year on something or another that, uh, that appeals to me. And one of them one year was Acts twenty thirty five. It's more blessed to give than receive. And what people don't realize is, if I give someone a book or help a kid, it's called, I ain't gonna get nothing from that kid, but I get the satisfaction of it. And when we're doing good for others. We have freedom. We're not jealous of nobody. We're not envious of, of people's made more well, right? We're, and that's the only way you can be creative is not have nothing pressuring your mind on it. If you're sitting there worrying about somebody's got more money than you, watch it. Why don't you concentrate on people that's got a lot less than you've got? Yeah. Uh, you know, because as long as we're comparing ourselves, it's always somebody got more unless you're maybe, well, I wasn't going to say Jeff Be- Bezos, but I guess he's given up IFS through the Amazon divorce. But uh, or Bill Gates or somebody, you know, there's always somebody got more. And uh, but um, and if we're not careful, we can be like Peggy Lee's song. Is this all there is? You know, I'd say I'd be happy if I got that Mercedes. I'd be happy if I got, I'm gonna get my Rolex. And they do make you feel good of accomplishment. There's nothing wrong with being good to yourself, enjoying good food, good clothes, or every what travel, what have you. But but if that's the only thing that gives you satisfaction, it's never gonna be enough. Yeah. You know because it. They're not, they don't they don't last forever. 
Yeah. But you can look back and see some little kids you helped go to school and how successful they've been. That'll, be, that'll, that'll always remain with you. And uh, uh, so I, I think that's, uh, that comes to us as we're as we're as we're older, I know when I was tw- I was twenty making a dollar and ten cents an hour. I was reading these books old. I was reading these books and my wife's watching television. I'm sitting there and I'm getting me a pen out. And I start. I ain't told this a thousand times, but uh, I've told it a few times. I listed some things I wanted. I wanted a gold Rolex, a million dollars in the bank, and a black Mercedes. That taunted. Okay, I mean that said. I it's just said, Don, you made it now. I thought that was important. And my wife, she looked at him. She said, don't think I'm crazy, but said, when you go about something, I said, I really believe you. And I said, well, thank you. And then so a little bit later, she said, don't tell nobody. I said, well, I'm going to tell nobody. She said, because if you do, they think you're crazy. And so we, we, later, we got, we got a life. We got a life about it. We got a life about it. And I said, now, you, if you go back and think about that, to ask for those things is that you, I would say that was absolutely stupid. But at that age, you thought it's necessary for, of, that shows that you'd accomplish something or other. And that was what I was more interested in. It was to just simply show that I was able to accomplish something or other uh, with, uh, with hard work and discipline and, and, uh, and sticking with it. I thought that would say, well, yeah, you've done, you've done okay. At that time, I hadn't done okay, but I saw myself doing okay. And I always, I always believed that. Just like right now, is I, I guess some people look. I sent out an email that goes out to Say it goes to 400 different publishers. And, uh, well, for example, Old Book Five Essentials, I've only done 10 contracts. and uh, But, you know, they range from $15,000, $5,000, dollars $4,000. I'm doing it in Vietnam, Korea, and these different places. I could say, well, Don, you sent over 400 emails, and you only got 10 books. You only got 10 of them people. See, you, you, could, you could say, well, that didn't do good. I, you know, I should have got them all. Well, you know, you you you, you got to realize that uh, – that that's success. It's success if you only got one of them. You know that, that's success, and that's why you got to look at it because out with the devil, I think, of forty-five foreign countries. Uh, but you know, we still had so long. We got over hundred books, and we had some of them. This week, I've probably signed twelve or fifteen contracts in foreign countries for books. Uh, and uh, uh, you know, I would like to have sold, a f- signed a few hundred. But you know, if I can do a few contracts every week, I know the money. I, I'm not going. I'm going to do okay. Yeah. But you just keep. You just keep. Uh, you just keep at it. I mean, it's uh, you know, I don't watch television. I, I remember I told my wife. I said, "Come on, one evening." I said, "Had lunch with the attorney today. I'm going to start a cable TV company." She said, "Now this time I don't believe you." I said, "Why?" I said, "You don't watch television." I said, "But yeah, but I reviewed the financial statement." of a uh, company called Adelphia, and uh, which uh, later the father went to prison uh, and the son uh, for embezzlement of their own company. They had stockholders, and they, they were forced to bankruptcy and they sold out to, which is now Comcast. But uh, they were over half of their money, which, of course, I tell you this, because using the selling cable. Oh, you used to work for Comcast for I years. Know, I, know, <laughs> years. I know, I know, I know your But, uh, but uh, over half of their money what they got from people was used to acquire debt where they was expanding. So I convinced the guys, I said, uh, that we start one up and, uh, and we find out how much it costs to put one in for one town. And we hire somebody to do it. We hire somebody to work for one of the companies. And we put one in. We charge half of what they're charging. We'll save all this advertising. We won't have no barred money. We'll put it in it. And I said, back then it was 79. We was charged 39. Wow. 
And I said, I said, so if ever who we sign up, he's going to tell the guy next door on each side of him. They're going to tell their relatives. And, and the phones are going to ring off the hook, and we'll never spend a nickel for advertising. I know they tell us about advertising, but we won't have no unnecessary expense. We'll let the public do our marketing for us. Yes. So we did one, and they contacted us, and they wanted to buy us. And, uh, and the guy says, well, Mr. Green said, we will just cut our prices, and we got a lot of money we can sit there. I said, no, you got a lot of money. You borrow a lot of money. I said, but see, I understand the federal communication. I've read the thing. You guys can't cut the rate because you got competitors. At least you could all the way across the state of Virginia. And I said, I was born in the dark, but it wasn't last night. You guys ain't going to cut the price. I know that because we're just one little old thing. So we hung up. So we did the second town. And we're taking our customers in this town. We're wise, you know, a town of 4,000 people. We, we sign them up left guys so we can hook them up. So we go to another town. They come back to us again. This time we mission specific money. We weren't interested in selling it. And so we developed that one. Then we applied for a license. The county for the third town and the fourth town, we we're going to do two at the one time this time because we accumulate money and we're not paying none out to ourselves and uh, we accumulate money and building. And uh, but then then they offered us really, really, we've had it, I believe it's 12 years. But anyway, they're asking us really a uh, good amount, but they want stock. I told the guys, I said, you guys can take stock. I want cash. I don't know nothing about the company or whatever. And so we took cash and uh, and uh, and we walked away. And it was I don't know two or three years later. Then they were forced to to sell out and see the stock. I don't know what the stock was, but we never owned another stock. We had cash for it. But it was a, it was a it was a good lesson because I didn't know nothing about cable TV. But I remember <laughs> much television, and uh, and uh, it was fun. We only had fifty six channels back then. <laughs> oh, tell me about it, man. I have a, I know a lot about those guys, man. I started door knocking on the projects when I was 19. We had 50, we had 56, and I remember we got in trouble because we didn't hit car BET, black <laughs> the black channel, and we don't have any many Afro workers in the area. But we had three shopping networks, <laughs> so we decided the one we get the least revenue off of, you know, percentage of sales. We we. We got rid of it and we put that BET on it. And then they complained, some people, some of them complained because we only had two shopping networks. I'm thinking, what do people do all day? It doesn't uh, matter what we do. So. What do they do all day, you know? I never ordered enough help. Oh, trust me. I was a long time in the industry. It was gone. Yeah, we, we, we really didn't even have an office. I mean, uh, we had a guy get a CPU. Uh, I'm glad that I didn't went to your towns training people to go door to door to compete against you guys. <laughs> no, but no, I thank you so much, man. Wow, just so much you share here. You made me go back in time to my childhood years, you know, and the listeners, you know, this is awesome. I normally I keep those with 30 minutes, but it's like, so we don't and I, we had so many stories. We can go on and on and on. But the biggest thing here, guys, I want you guys to take, you know, the persistence to believe in yourself. It doesn't matter how you start, and it matters how you finish. You know, like you have, you can be a philanthropist right now. You don't have to wait to do philanthropy, you do it right now. Like, you know, you, what are you willing to, you know, what are you willing to give up to go make your dreams a reality? Like right now, people are preparing for, normally I, I record those interviews on Fridays, and you know, most people are getting ready for Super Bowl weekend and Chupati. I'm getting ready to serve. I'm getting ready to be out there and speaking. I was just speaking and, you know, serving at school yesterday, speaking this weekend. And it's like, you know what I mean? You have to be able to, you, and then you're on a stage, you become a master storyteller. 
You are there to serve people. You are not there to pitch people. And you add so much value. You educate to dominate, and eventually you will build an empire. As long as you do it every day, you don't count the days, you don't count the weekends, you don't count the shares, you don't count the likes, you make the days count. You make the conversations count. You know what I mean? And that's what I want you guys to do. And go back here. Absolutely, Carlos. I taught the course for uh, 12 12 times at the University of Virginia in that class when I was a bank president. The first night I told them is, go home, look at your calendar. Someday is not on it. Every what you're going to do, today's the day. No someday on the calendar. I said, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to enroll in a class. You're going to start a savings account. You're going to lose weight. What you're going to do is, it's, it's not someday because that is a plot way that we have lined ourselves. Someday I'm going to go back to school. Someday I'm going to make up to my my friend I fell out with. Uh, someday I'm going to start saving. Someday I'm going to pay my debt off. That's the biggest lie we can tell is tell ourselves is someday. We're going to do something. Though. We're going to start on today. We're going to start on today, and then we can do something about it. And yeah. we hold that in our mind is, hey, someday is is not on the counter, but today is, and that's when I'm starting. Yes, just awesome. And Don, my friend, thank you so much. Let us know, Don, where can they find you? Where can we, they follow you? Uh, what is the best website for them to go, you know, to know more about you and the foundation and about your books? What is the best place they can go, Mark? Napil.org, N-A-P-H-I-L-L dot O-R-G, Napil.org. And I will drop that as well under the link, guys, right below this video. Go there, you know what I mean? And just follow Don, you know what I mean? Uh, the Napoleon Hill Foundation, just amazing, you know? It's like, this is like, it would be very hard for somebody to, I've been interviewing so many amazing people, a couple of friends of ours, Don, and it would be hard to outdo this one. So much value, so much nuggets. Follow us, guys. Keep coming back over here every Friday. I'm going to be interviewing amazing people. It will be hard to outdo my good friends over here. You know, Don Green. You know, follow us as well on Instagram. I'm going to be keeping you guys updated there, dropping every day. Instagram, you guys already know, at Carlos Inspire. Just go there on Instagram and look us up. <laughs> and then uh, we're going <laughs> to – but let's make every day count. One thing that I always like to say, one thing that, like, you know what I mean, is something that, you know, is the first verse, you know, one of the first verses and one of the first things that God says in the Bible, let there be light. You know what I mean? And God, Don, my friend, you are one of those lights that are out there. You be the light that you want to see in the world. You be that change that you wanted to see in the world. And you show up and you build yourself every single day and you enlighten yourself. Maybe somebody's not out there and nobody, nobody have to tell you that they love you. You may not have the money and you may in, in the slums right now of Brazil, Africa, just know that greatness is within you. And if you ask yourself and you remind yourself every day what you are made out of it and you can do anything in life. And let's make every single day count and focus on the contribution, not on the acquisition. God bless you all. Have an outstanding rest of your day. Thanks, Carlos. Anytime.